Today we're looking at one of life's tough questions. We're asking, why should I work so hard? In Ecclesiastes, Solomon asked this question at least four times. It's a good question. Look at Ecclesiastes 2, verse 22. What does a man get for all his hard work? Yeah, why should I work so hard? See, Solomon says that there are really two extreme responses to that question. The first response in your notes, number one, is the lazy worker, the work avoider. This guy doesn't want to do anything. He's allergic to work. He doesn't believe in it. It's against his religion to work. My motto in life, this person says, is better to have loafed and lost than never to have loafed at all. Look at Ecclesiastes 4, verse 5. Solomon says, the fool won't work. Notice he says won't, not can. And almost starves, but feels that it's better to be lazy and barely get by than work hard. But there's another extreme. Solomon says, number two in your notes, the workaholic. The guy who won't stop working. He doesn't know how to stop. He just keeps on going and going and going. That's all he lives for. Look at Ecclesiastes 4, verse 8. Solomon says, Here's a man who is always working, never satisfied with the wealth he has. For whom is he working so hard and denying himself any pleasure? This is a useless and a miserable way to live. So that is the workaholic. Now, which of these two extremes do you tend to lean toward? Would you say, I tend to be an overworker? Or I tend to be an underworker? Do you tend to do more than expected, more than you need to do? Or do you tend to get by on as little as possible? Regardless of which end of the perspective, Solomon has something to say to you. Because in Ecclesiastes, God's word talks about both. So today we want to look at six biblical roads to success by Solomon. For those of you who need to work better, then we'll look at three remedies for those who need to work less. So first of all, number one in your notes. And in those six biblical roads to success, Solomon really says it's not how much you work, it's how you work. That determines whether you are a success in life or not. Of course, you will remember that Solomon was the most successful man who ever lived. Solomon achieved everything he ever wanted, had more wealth than anybody ever amassed, an incredible achiever. So when Solomon talks about success, we're not talking about someone who is a fluke. He knows what he's talking about. He says it's not how much you work, it's how you work that makes the difference. So let's look at these six characteristics. Number one in your notes, work enthusiastically. If you're going to be successful, work with enthusiasm. 
Look at Ecclesiastes 9.10, whatever your hand first finds to do. He says, do it with all your might. So in your notes, he's saying, put your heart into it. Give it your best effort. Whether it's a big job or a little job, have a positive attitude. Emerson once said that there was no great accomplishment without enthusiasm. So Solomon says, work enthusiastically. In your notes number two, Solomon also says, work with integrity. If you are going to last, you have to work with integrity. Look at Ecclesiastes 7 verse 1 where he says, a good reputation is better than expensive perfume. What is he talking about here? In your notes he's saying it's better to be good than to smell good. You need perfume wears off. A reputation with integrity lasts and lasts. Have you noticed how unrealistic perfume ads are on television? If you wear a certain perfume, you are guaranteed success and fame and great sex and money. Why do you watch those kind of ads? I watch them for sermon illustrations. Solomon is saying their real success is a matter of character. In 1982, they did a study of 300 salesmen from 11 different companies. 50% were top performers, 50% were average. They compared them to find out what makes them top achievers. The conclusion was that there was no difference in skill, ability, intellect, technical ability, and understanding between top-performing salesmen and average salesmen. But the difference that they found was that the top performers had a reputation for integrity. Yeah, their customers trusted them. They bought more. So we need to work with enthusiasm. We need to work with integrity. In your notes number three, we need to work skillfully. We need to work skillfully if we're going to be successful. Look at Ecclesiastes 10 verse 10. If the axe is dull, edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. Solomon is saying that you need to sharpen your axe. Work smarter not harder. In your notes, always be improving. Always be growing. Always be developing. Sharpen your skills. I read an article that said the key to minimizing the risk of being laid off was to always be improving your skills. The theory there was that dinosaurs went extinct because they couldn't change couldn't adapt to a changing environment. So do you have any dinosaurs at your work? Today in 2016, the average worker has to assimilate 24 times the amount of information compared to just 10 years ago. So you work skillfully. In your notes number four, Solomon then also says work efficiently. If you're going to succeed, work efficiently. You need to economize your time and your energy. Looking at Ecclesiastes 8, verse 6, there's a right time and a right way to do everything. So in your notes, achievers manage their time. The daytime is more important and more valuable than even money. So you need to set some goals and set some priorities. 
and do the appropriate thing at the appropriate time. Avoid doing just only the urgent things. To be effective, work efficiently. It's said only 2% of the people in America think enough about their lives to actually sit down and write down some goals. Number five in your notes, work cooperatively. If you're going to succeed, Solomon says you need to be working cooperatively. In other words, don't do it all yourself. You need to build a team. You need to involve other people. You know the kind of person who says, it's just easier to do it myself. Wrong road to success. Because Solomon says you need to involve other people. Look at Ecclesiastes 4, 9, and 10. You two are better off than one. Because together they can work more effectively. If one of them falls down, the other can help him up. See, we all know that we need support over the long haul. In fact, Jesus, when he sent out his disciples in your notes, Jesus sent them out how? In twos. So we invite people to participate in prayer support for those who are going through difficulties because they need support. We invite people to join the Stephen Ministry training program so that they can be helpful to other people who are experiencing challenges in their lives. And they need someone to support them. Success is never a one-man show. Number six in your notes. Work persistently. Solomon says to work persistently. Don't give up. There is power in persistence. Notice what Solomon says. Look at Ecclesiastes 11, verse 6. Keep on sowing your seed, for you never know which will grow. Perhaps it all will. So don't give up. The difference between a success and unsuccessful, in your notes. Successful people fail as much as the average people. But in your notes, they do not quit. See, they learn from it. They learn what doesn't work. They have the ability to keep on going for five more minutes. You know, it's kind of like the guy who was wooing his girlfriend to marry him. So he died to sin for 47 days in a row. Hand-delivered rose to her door. Now that is really persistence. And it worked. On the 48th day, she married the delivery man. (laughs) Being persistent. Here are some facts about failure. The best NBA basketball players make only about half of their shots. The greatest quarterbacks complete in the NFL, only six out of ten passes. Major League Baseball players make at the first base only 40% of the time. And this includes base on balls. Oil companies find oil on an average of only one out of every ten oil wells they take. That's only 10% success rate. Or that's a 90% failure rate. TV actors average 29 audition rejections before being hired for a part of a, or a commercial. What we're saying is that if you at first don't succeed, welcome to the human race. That's part of life. So you tend to need to work better, take a better list home with you today. Pin this list up on the mirror or your refrigerator. Use it as a daily checklist. Compliments of Solomon. 
He happened to be the wisest and most successful man who ever lived. Six ways to work. However, most of you don't really need any more success through hard work. Most of you tend to lean toward workaholism. You need to learn to slow down. So I want to spend the rest of our time on three remedies for workaholism. Contrary to what Japan may think about us, Americans are hard workers. A study revealed that 24% of the American workforce would like to work longer hours in order to make more money. So would you agree that today most adults are finding it necessary even to work two jobs or both spouses are working? It's incredible what the expectations are just for making a living. The problem is that workaholic parents do tend to produce workaholic children. The disease can be passed on. So please join with me as we look at what Solomon tells us. Three remedies for this problem. In your notes, number one, readjust my values. Solomon gets right to the point. He says, here's the real reason people work. Look at Ecclesiastes 4, verse 4. I've learned why people work so hard to succeed, he says. It's because they envy the things their neighbors have. Solomon here exposes the real motive behind a lot of workaholism. He says it's not a desire for excellence. It's not even a matter of enjoyment. He said it's out of envy. That's the goal, he said. The sole goal of life is to keep up with the competition. Yeah, to keep up with the Joneses. Be number one. It involves covetousness and envy. So the cost of workaholism, however, is enormous. It includes divorce. It includes alcohol abuse, heart attacks, other illnesses, fragmented relationships, just unhappiness. So why do so many work so hard? In our society today, we reward workaholism. Each year, Time Magazine selects that man of the year. A couple years ago, they selected Ted Turner. He was actually the archetype of workaholics. Why was he chosen man of the year? Well, he lived a tortured life. He worked to please his dad, who was an unpleasable father, which he freely admits. Even in his sports interests, he was doing it out of competition. We just plain reward workaholism in our society. So Solomon says the first remedy for workaholism must readjust my values. So you notice what Jesus says in Mark 8, verse 36. Let's read that verse together out loud. What good is it for a man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? What can a man give in exchange for his soul? See, Jesus is saying that we need to stop and ask, why am I doing this? In fact, there are three questions that we need to ask ourselves. Number one in your notes, we need to ask why, ourselves why. Why am I working so hard? See, we do need a motive, a check. What drives me to do this? Is it greed for more money? Is it envy? Number two in your notes, is the payoff worth it? 
Is it worth sacrificing my life for? Most probably it isn't. Number three in your notes. Why do I think the next level will satisfy me? If I'm not satisfied with what I have now, what makes me think that the next level is going to be more satisfying? See, Solomon reminds us, in spite of all of our hard work, there's nothing we take with us. So we need to readjust our values from temporal to eternal. We need to work hard for those eternal goals and things that will last. Readjust my values. Number two in your notes, the second remedy for workaholism. Anticipate God's care. You trust God's care. The root of a lot of workaholism is worry. Look at Matthew 6, 31 to 32. Don't worry, saying, what shall we eat or drink or wear? For pagans run after these things. Your heavenly Father knows you need them. See, Jesus says that God knows that you need these things. He says, pagans, they run. They run after. What's Jesus talking about? He's talking about the rat race. He's talking about the frantic drive to always get more and more. A lot of our workaholism is rooted in worry. I have to keep working so that I can build up my pile, so that my pile can be big enough, so then I can be secure. Well, your pile will never be big enough. Have you been sold by the enticement today in your notes? Are you financially secure? Jesus is telling us that we need to trust God's care and not put trust in our finances. God's care can never be taken away from us. Number three in your notes. A third remedy for our workaholism is to exchange my pressures for God's peace. I must have Jesus as the center of my life. Jesus alone can exchange my pressures for God's peace. Look at what Jesus says to us in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30. In fact, let's read those verses together out loud. Come to me, you who are tired and carrying your heavy loads, and I will give you rest. The yoke I'll give you is easy. The load I'll put on you is light. I want you to circle those words, easy and light. God says that Jesus came to give you a lifestyle a lifestyle that is easy and light. So if you are carrying a bundle each day that's not easy and is not light, then I want you to know it's not from God. It's that simple. It's out of God's will. Because God's will for your life. He says, my yoke is easy. My plan for your life is light. I will give you rest. Some of you are having trouble slowing down. You're stressed out. You're tired. You are fatigued. So God has that word for you today. Trust me. Give me your life. Exchange the pressures you have for my peace. Come to me and I will give you rest. Seek first his kingdom and all these other things will be added to you. Amen.